0: Hey, this is Leandra Atkins, your host of Influential Grace Podcast. Religion who? Welcome back. Welcome back, Influential Grace family. Today we have something special, an interview with not just your regular, regular type of pastor, but it is someone that is a huge um just really important in my life and my family's life and such a great mentor such a great mind to pick so we're we're going to be speaking to him today he is a pastor of international house of prayer in ocala florida so if you guys are in ocala go ahead and check it out go ahead and walk through the door, see what they're about um the verse that they stand by is Matthew 18.1. Um, and he has been a pastor for 23 years. So I'm going to be asking some questions to him that most of us probably think about asking other pastors and maybe be shy about. Um, so let's go ahead and get started. So <laughs> Mr. Jackson, what do people need to look for in a pastor?
1: Hi, how are you? Um, First of all, let me just say that I'm very grateful for the opportunity uh, to be on your podcast. I see that it's a growing podcast and influencing many. So I'm very, very grateful. I'm very, very honored at this opportunity. When we're looking at pastors, and since I've been in it for a number of years, I see the necessity of being a people person. And some people will assume that someone who is a pastor automatically likes people. But you're around people. It depends on what your education is, what your experience. Some people have a pastoral position just put on them, and they really have not had any experience. So one of the things that I look for if I was looking for a pastor, is their experience, their experience in pastoring, their experience in dealing with people, uh, in people's lives, uh, their experience in the Word of God—not just from a logo standpoint, which means they just know and can quote Scripture, but from a life experience uh, standpoint, because a pastor by biblical terms. And pastors really only use once in scripture, but the concept of shepherding is used throughout the Bible. And you're looking for a pastor, you are someone who walks among the people. This person has to have the heart of a shepherd, which the greatest example of a shepherd is the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the shepherd of all shepherds, and he's demonstrated that in the Word of God. Uh, so that's just a couple of things that I would say that you look for. Uh, someone that's also that is family-oriented, whether you're single or not, whether they're single or not, because church is about family. And it's about people coming together. Where there is no people, there is no church. So a pastor needs to have the shepherd's heart, a heart for the development of families, helping families to take it to the next level from a biblical perspective.
0: Okay, so that is definitely a lot to take in. But one of the main things that I would take from it is just needing a pastor to be a people person not just you know providing or you know reading the word but being a people person being able to help those that are in his congregation from being a family you know or single life like you said um what is one thing that pastors face that many will find shocking
1: loneliness pastors face an incredible amount of loneliness Uh, primarily. It's a lonely job because there's so many demands placed on pastors and people don't realize that after the curtain goes down they're human beings and they're faced with many things that people are faced with and because they're pastors, people will say to you, well, God's going to take care of you, right? And they don't realize just a small phone call without you asking for something, some a call that just say, hey, pastor, how are you doing? A card, a little note or something on their desk or through the door or something in the mail, uh, a just because type of thing that show that you care. It means an amazing amount to a pastor because it is lonely, because you're trying to stay in a neutral position and deal with all people fairly and equally without you know favoritism, without cliques, without things of that nature, because that is something that will sabotage any ministry. And you also, if you are married, you're trying to take care of your family and your family's needs and so on. But many times the pastor is the, uh, the lowest person on the totem pole. And after they've exhausted everything for everyone else, There's really nothing for them. And the question always is, is who's there for the pastor? Who's listening to the pastors? Who shoulder can the pastor cry on?
0: Exactly. It's so important, you guys, that if you have a pastor, make sure you lift your pastor up in prayer at the same time because... It's a lot of things that they go through and a lot of us could just be wanting to see what our pastor has to say about this or going to our pastor about certain things. But it's important to keep our pastors up in prayer because they are leaders and leaders have a huge responsibility. Um, Just like the saying goes, always, you know, check up on your strong friends, check up on your pastors, make sure that they're doing well, make sure that they're, you know, in the right mental space and physical space. Um, My next question is, what does prayer mean for you?
1: Prayer to me means everything. Prayer is a lifestyle. Prayer is the greatest privilege that any man or woman of God has, any child of God has. It is the the privilege of being able to communicate with a true and living God to have your requests heard and to have your requests answered. And because communication is not real communication unless it's two ways. Someone's hearing, someone's responding. So the times of prayer helps to balance out the loneliness. The times of prayer helps you to stay humble. Uh, the seasons of prayer and staying in the Word helps you to be Open to the needs of other people as he pours back into you because as you communicate to him as Jesus said that I thank you that I, you hear you always hear me. And when you're in that position and you have that level of confidence that you can go before God and be heard and know that he'll answer you and all you just have to wait, that vehicle is prayer. And prayer, first of all, changes you. Many times we pray for someone or pray about someone looking for the change in someone. Sometimes we have to be the change that we seek and that is accomplished through prayer.
0: Amazing. 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 Um, What is spiritual warfare? Now, first of all, you guys, I hope you guys are taking notes because this is tea. This is not gossip. This isn't you know, just talking amongst your girls or whatever. This is some real good tea, some lifelong lessons, some lifelong notes you guys can carry. So I hope you guys are taking notes. But what is spiritual warfare? Mm-hmm.
1: You know, our, our Bible tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Uh, When we are... As children of God, having received Christ as their personal savior, which positions us to be in a place that man was before the fall, yet we have an adversary. You know, a formidable foe is what an adversary is. And that is the devil, Diablo, Satan, whatever you like to call him. And he operates in the second heavens because after being thrown out of The third heaven, or where God is, or the kingdom of God is, He lost His rights there, so He was cast down. But He operates and functions in the second heavens and in the first heavens because every human being is either affected by the the second or third heavens. So even as a child of God, when our prayers go up, their job is to try to stop the prayers from going through or trying to stop the answers from coming back. Although Christ died for the sins of mankind. And he said that, you know, unless he go, the Holy Spirit can't come. He did that, the Holy Spirit came. Now the Holy Spirit abides inside of us. But yet, he is what the, the Greek term says, paraclete. He's the one that comes alongside. He dwells inside of us. He prays through us to, to make our prayer effective and fervent so it'll avail of much. But also he aids us in battling the enemy who is occupying those areas to try to stop our prayers from going through or to stop the answers from coming back. So spiritual warfare is that operation that we do when we identify what is blocking or hindering our blessings or our lives or keeping us from being delivered, keeping us from receiving the inner healing that we need. Sometimes we have to wage uh, spiritual warfare against the enemy to uproot the enemy, to be that have, have our voice heard, recognized, and accepted by the enemy and which will dispossess the enemy from the grounds that he was. So spiritual warfare, in essence, is also advancing the kingdom of God in our lives against areas that were formerly occupied by the enemy.
0: Okay, so, <laughs> oh my goodness, you guys. Okay, so the next question is, Um, Like many people would try and ask when you speak about God. Yeah, we know God is great. We know the things that God does. We we read about what you know what he has done in his word. But some people will be like, oh, well, but I'm still seeing COVID. I'm still seeing people dying. I'm still seeing murders and stuff like that happening. If you know, there is a God, which there is. Why does God allow these things to happen? What, how would you answer that question to the people that
1: ask that? You know, that's a question that is raised oftentimes for people who try to find an excuse not to serve God or try to say that God does not exist, that they are agnostic or they're atheist or things of that nature. What people seem to fail to realize is that God created all of creation he created man, and he put man, Adam and Eve, into the garden, and gave man dominion over the earth, and that through mankind he would function and flow. So he is, you know, not the author of confusion. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So the things that we see in all kinds of levels of destruction and death, and you know, horrific acts upon mankind throughout history is not the acts of God that is taking place but it's the lack of acts of the people that represent God in the earth and okay. there goes back through prayer prayer is that instrument that goes through the, the warfare we go and get the mind of Christ the, the Bible tells us we should not be you know conformed to this world be transformed by the renewing of our mind and let this mind be also in us that's in christ so when we get the mind of christ we can't do that unless we receive christ as our personal savior and then after we receive him we, we are positioned to receive the indwelling presence of the holy spirit which is the spirit of the living god who knows how to pray a p- accurate prayer That will go directly to the throne of God. And then we can get the intel back in and we can function and accomplish the purposes of God in the earth. God will not act without man. And God will not act without man praying to him for him to give him the answer. So when we see things, and it's a sad thing for a clergyman to say this, but it's a reality. You know, every failure is a prayer failure the inactivity of the church coming to the place of prayer and standing on the word of God by faith, believing in God's power to be released, that's when change happens. And we have a multiplicity of testimonies over many generations Uh, and we can look at, you know, the Hall of Faith in the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, how people got their dead dead, raised and got all kind of answers to prayer and all kind of miracles and things but God does nothing except in answer to prayer and this is the the reason it's unfortunate. We look at the code, we look at a number of different things. We're not denying the existence of these things but we believe in the power of a God who can heal save and deliver and nothing is impossible for him to be able to do however he uses man as his agency if man does not stand up when i mean man by mankind if man does not stand up and stand in our place and function where he tells us to things will not change it's unfortunate but it's true
0: well i think with that alone you probably hurt a couple of feelings And probably some people might take it as shade. I mean, hey, if you were listening to that and you took it in a negative way, then I'm sorry because it is just straight facts. And of course, when you're dealing with God, it's pure truth. There is no lies. There is no in between. God is a God of truth. God is a God, how I see it, of hitting you right in between the eyes sometimes for some of us. So This is where, this is not about religion. This is about us all coming together and living and doing what God has called each and every one of us to do, which is praying and acting with each other, not in division, not when we're over here, someone's Baptist and over here, someone is, you know, Catholic. And over here, we all serve the same God. There is no different types of gods and different types of religions and different types of backgrounds. God has created us all in the same... Uh, the same way and we are all to serve him in the same way and do what he has called each and every one of us to do in the same way through what he said and through prayer and many other things so uh yes and then I'm I'm sure there probably wouldn't even be a COVID-19 possibly um if we were all moving in that in that pace that we're supposed to be moving in and Um, I believe that when it comes to COVID and the deaths and stuff like that that has happened during COVID, I am so positive that God is God of power and that all of that, all of that would have been, you know, just completely um, healing would have taken place and all of that stuff would have been gone. that's just my opinion. But, um... What is the difference between this generation and your generation? Because I know you've been been in it for, been in pastor for 23 years, you've seen a lot of generations go by. So what's the difference between this generation now and your generation?
1: Yes, well, in pastoring, between 23 to 25 years, but overall ministry, we're celebrating 44 years of ministry this year. And... The greatest difference between the generation is the hunger, the hunger for God and the discipline of serving God. You know, the old days, you know, they used to tell us, you know, you have to have a made up mind and. There was nothing, they they used to tell us, you're not going to close the bars or the strip clubs, they're not going to get rid of the pornography, they're not going to, because you got saved, they're not going to throw away the cigarettes, they're not going to stop drugs and alcohol sales or anything of that nature. You have to have a made-up mind. And no matter where anyone came from, whatever their lifestyle was, these things were there. Sure, we have advanced things that have happened now, but it has not changed. It's still the same thing. You have to have a made-up mind. So in our generation, you know, the hunger that was there to get to know God and to walk with Him and to listen to those who were already doing it and to seek Him. We used to, you know, have prayer services a lot. Uh, We had before service started, it was people praying up to an hour before service started. It was a common thing. We used to pray before we went to service to pray, and before we went to service to to worship and things of that nature. We had a had a made up mind. Was it everyone? No, it wasn't everyone. Uh, you had people who were backsliders, people who didn't have a made up mind. But in this generation, because of the, you know the digital technology. They don't have the same relationships like we had uh, because there's something about forsaking, gathering yourselves together. It is essential to be able to do that because we are created to give love and to receive love. We are created to touch. We are created to communicate. God created covenant. The people in our generation understood covenant more and coming together more because that's how we looked out for each other. We thought about each other. We prayed for each other. Uh, there's a lot of distancing in this generation. Uh, they have much more choices in this generation than we had. And I feel that although the myriad of choices are there, it has uh, lended itself to much more confusion. So people will will tend to go what they feel comfortable with more so than what they need. And they're not able to get what they need. They may hear someone saying, giving a great sermon and they'll say, oh, that's for me, that's for me. But there are areas of their life that need to be dealt with because they have not had a made up mind. They don't feel like that they should do anything different because this person said to them what they wanted to hear. They go with that, but they're still defeated. They're still not where they're connecting with God. They still don't know the voice of God. We sought to know the voice of God, hear the voice of God, understand the voice of God. We hungered for the Holy Spirit because we saw others that had it. We saw the the demonstration of the power of God in our lives and many other lives that our lives touched. And this generation, they have uh, settled for many other things and have plans, you know, A, B, C, and D. Uh, If this doesn't work out, I'm gonna try this. doesn't work out, I'm gonna try that. Maybe try this. And mixing things together with new age and religion and all kinds of things of that nature. This is just some of the things that I see that is a great difference. And it's unfortunate because the church has changed as well and moves quite a bit for the most part to the left and become much more liberal, which our churches in our time preached holiness, preached righteousness, you know, and it said no cross, no crown, you know, and you better pray through than to get through praying just a couple of terms that we we used to use. And, you know, and we're not hearing that today. Um, Many of the leaders, they're great, wonderful motivational speakers, but they're not preaching the full gospel of the kingdom that will deliver people's lives and transform people's lives. So you're finding more and more people in this generation that don't go to church, don't want to go to church, don't feel they need to go to church. And, you know, that's just my observation from my veranda.
0: Okay. Now, how do you approach this generation when it comes to teaching God's word?
1: I approach this generation meeting them where they are, not compromising the gospel, but understanding that they really have no reference. Understanding that this generation also don't have the same family structure my generation had. Understanding that there has been a blending and augmenting and a merging of all kinds of cultures and various things. So our approach to meeting the needs of this generation is to find out where they are. Hear the heart of this generation and then establishing the needs based on that and helping them from where they are to a place that God wants them to be, as opposed to being so dogmatic in our views and telling people, you know, damning them to hell, if you will. Um, people who already suffer, they know that they're living in hell, they're going through things, even if they die right now, to them they really don't think it matters do anything different, although there's a great difference between the hell you live in and earth than the one that you end up in should you leave here without knowing Christ as your savior. But that cannot be our focal point. There's a great focal point that needs to happen in reaching this generation that I use to find out what's been their experience because there's a lot of spiritual experiences in this generation that is not the norm for our generation. And you know, you meet people where they are. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care and that's my approach,
0: okay, so in well, one of the things that I stand by is that when it comes to doing this podcast, when it came, when it came to starting it, it's that it's not about religion, it's about relationship when it comes to being on a journey like many of us are, you know the ones listening, they're on a journey of developing a relationship with god and and getting to know who God is. It's not about religion, it's about relationship. What does that mean for you?
1: It is totally about relationship. You know, this is interesting because we see such a divide in the church world with all the different denominations and what have you, we're all still saying that we're Christians. But, you know, God created mankind to be with mankind. to have. You cannot have covenant without relationships. You cannot have relationships without trust. We're never all going to agree on everything, but we must find common ground in which we can agree on and come together as people of God. Because the Bible tells us when the gospel of the kingdom is preached, then the end will come. So a lot of the delay of the return of the Lord Jesus Christ is has to do with the lack of relationships, people coming together. And I believe that we have entered into a time now where people are waking up, because I'm privileged now to lead a prayer group where there are leaders of the varying denominations and so on when five years ten years ago or longer we didn't come together to pray together and we all recognize that we have the same problem and the problem is sin and that we don't all have the answers and but together we're stronger together there's safety in numbers there's strength in numbers but you have to have relationships, so we're doing it on the as the clergy we're coming together so that we could pour into the body, and that's you know that's why relationships are so so imperative families we're fighting for the family, we're fighting for the future generations, and the only way that's gonna happen is through relationship
0: okay, well, you guys. I hope you guys completely enjoyed this interview. I hope you guys were able to take notes down. I hope you guys, you know, of course, if you need to, you can replay this episode and replay it and replay it, whatever you need to do. Um, Because this, this was a heavy episode to me. It was pretty heavy on the information that, you know, the answers that were given. And like I said, I hope you guys were able to take notes Um, Once again, the name of the church is International House of Prayer in Ocala, Florida. So if you guys are are in Ocala, Florida, by all means, go check it out. I will also be posting this information on our Instagram and Facebook page as well, along with the pictures so that you will be able to, you know, know exactly where to go and what to look for. Um, And if you can lead us out in prayer, that would be awesome.
1: Gracious and everlasting Father, we do come to you this day in the mighty name of Jesus, a name whereby which no man can get saved but through the name of Jesus. And we're so grateful for the privilege and the opportunity for the the lives of those that you're drawing, because no man can come to you except you draw them. And we thank you for those that you're drawing through this broadcast. We thank you for the broadcast itself, for the the vehicle in which you're going to use this broadcast to touch hundreds of thousands of lives. And we thank you, Lord God, for the blessings and the healings that will come. We thank you, Lord God, for the aha moments that those that will hear this broadcast will have. We thank you, Lord, that a new generation of hungry people will be raised up through this broadcast and they will find you and they will serve you the way that you deserve to be served. And we are grateful today for thou have heard this prayer, thou have heard this broadcast, and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, you guys, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And I will talk to you guys tomorrow.